tonight's episode, The Endangered Species. GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches every Friday. is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Hey, welcome, everybody. Well, so I think everything's working. Oh, oh I'm at this way. Welcome, everybody, to our Daily Dumpster. We're live every night at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns and things over puppies that make them all scared. We talk about guns for an hour each week, each day of the week. We have a different topic. We don't just go live for the heck of it to just chat about whatever grip angles or red dots people are interested in. Lots of other people do that. Instead, we've got some goals. We've been around for 1,400 episodes. That's sometime in the beginning of 2016. We started going live every single day. Part of that time, we went on the road. In fact, 60,000 miles for many years each year we would go on the road so uh checking out gun shops museums gun shows industry events things like that uh checking out our firearms community our industry and our culture and sharing that through our websites and through social projects and then of course through this podcast video stream thing that we call the daily gun show all right so this is episode Gonna tell me somewhere. I gotta go look it up. One thousand four hundred and fifty-four. Went over to Five Guys and got paid ten bucks to eat at Five Guys today. Guess what? I don't like eating at Five Guys that much. It's not that good. So now I'm drinking a bunch of water to uh, get all the Five Guys through. All right. All right, first off, we go live every weeknight. So we want to say thanks to the people that are showing up live tonight. We're incredibly late because of corking. Let's take a moment and talk about corking. Let's say that this puppy lived right here every single night. This was this puppy's time slot. Everybody knew this is where they would meet this puppy. But then somebody decided this puppy isn't here yet, so I'm just going to sit here instead. And then you came here and you found a big lemon or a big box of band-aids or something you came here looking for a nice little puppy but you find a lemon or a box of band-aids or something that's essentially what corking is so you're looking for a puppy looking to have a good time something you're looking forward to somebody replaces it with lemons or a box of band-aids maybe the band-aids have lemon juice on them so when you use the band-aid it hurts i'm just saying we don't know what they do in the mornings or in the in the early evenings so uh we appreciate the people that are joining us live and being uh, uh, 
here for us when we had to start late because of the corking. Innocently victims of the corking. This puppy was wide awake doing tricks at this regularly scheduled time. I have uh, him incredibly trained to do incredibly interesting things right at the start of the show. But because of the corking, the puppy's now exhausted. Now you get to watch as the puppy lay in here instead of doing all these amazing tricks. You can do some really complicated math. He has some really interesting ideas on ways to improve the uh, causes of violence instead of attacking just one tool like a lot of lazy exploiters would do. But uh, I guess he's too tired after having performed all those tricks earlier in the day. But because of the corking, that wasn't on video. And I'm really, I apologize. All right. So let's get into the topic for tonight's show, which is the 2017 Country Loophole Tour. We're going to share screens here. So I'm going to, oh, I'm not even sharing screens at all right now. So first we're going to share some screens. Oh, come on. We're going to share some screens. We're going to turn on the screen sharing event here. There we go. And then we will cram the puppy up underneath the screen sharing so you can monitor the puppy. He is, in fact, going to fall asleep. He's a very stubborn puppy, so he's asleep. Now he woke up a little bit, but he is asleep. However, he sleeps standing up next to me here and refuses to admit that he's actually sleeping. So we'll leave a puppy cam on. You can watch him. He gets very, very cute when he falls over. As you can see, he's now going back to his stubborn. I'm standing up, but I'm also asleep. Oh, wait, no, there we go. Update on the puppy. He gave in and now he's lying down. He'll look like a lot like a potato for the rest of the show, but he is in fact a puppy. So there you go. We'll now leave this at the bottom of the screen for what we call the puppy monitor. A lot of other channels will do a live two-way conversation, but they won't even monitor what the puppies are doing. We take the extra step and monitor what puppies do. A lot of people would also tell you, experts in the field will tell you, experts without any accreditation, of course, but experts will tell you that uh, you're not supposed to put puppies on the internet, that puppies have no place on a legitimate newsfeed like this one. All right, so uh, let's see, saying thanks to the people that show up live. And again, respectfully begging your pardon for the rude acts of previous shows, which influence the start time of our show and the ability of this puppy to show really interesting tricks. And he's worked all day on He was very proud of those tricks, but he fell asleep because he's exhausted from doing those tricks at the actual time he was scheduled to do the tricks. All right, so uh, we had no serve duo showing up. He was in the aforementioned chat. It's not your fault. It's like being a passenger in a vehicle where the pilot has gone rogue and just doesn't even care about the rules anymore. You can, you're an innocent victim in the whole situation. So thanks for joining us. I'm glad you survived and thank you for joining us. Then we've got a G23 out there. Were you also in there? I'm not sure. Woods was probably a witness of what happened over there. This is not a sanctioned name. No one should be using that name. Uh, five by five. Thanks for the feedback from Crabby Turtle out there. And is that everybody? No, Tim is out there. That is also not a sanctioned name. No one should be using that name. And I think that's everybody. So thanks to the people that are showing up live. Guess what? There's way more people than that because here, look it over here. I got this little button from the NSF or the NSA, whatever it is, ATF, somebody. Somebody provides us with a number of how many people are actually out there. And there's more of you out there that are chatting. All right. 
He said fluke, made out of fluke. No, I've got a fluffy one over there. This one isn't so fluffy. This one sounds, he feels like a burrito. Have you ever had like a, if you go to a novelty burrito factory where they make oversized novelty burritos, that's what this dog feels like. Right now he's empty. He doesn't have any uh, business in him. So it's like a very, like if you got skimped, you got a giant burrito, but they weren't putting their heart into it. That's where he's at right now. Also, he did good. So it's just a quick update on the puppy. He's doing pretty good as far as being big boy. He uh, is getting more of a routine. So now it's been, I can't even remember the last time he did any kind of business inside that should have been going on outside. Let's just put it that way. So he should be very proud of himself. Everybody that's rooting for the puppy. He's getting to be a real big boy. So what we do is make plans to go somewhere and then we go walk around for a while. That's when he does his business. And then we go do those things and he does it completely business free. He's getting to be a very big boy. So he's being pretty good. So anyway, he's super proud of himself for having an adventure today. Again, we went and got paid to eat five guys. So if you're out there, one of the people eating five guys on your own money, you don't have to. You can get paid 10 bucks to eat five guys, which I tried to And today I got a milkshake. And uh which is why I'm drinking some water right now. All right, so now we're getting back to it. So we're uh, gonna take a look at the screen here. We're gonna cram over everybody who's watching over to the left there. Get rid of Tim's comment and, okay, so now this portion of the screen is where we're gonna be paying attention to. And what we're gonna do is, why don't we just open up this video? This portion of the screen. Look at the description of this video. Why don't we just click on this link right here? I'll pause the video so we don't have to hear me saying stuff over again. So gunshowloopholetour.com is the website where we put the adventures from our travels, our gun show loophole tour. Uh, let's see, we call it the gun show loophole tour because we're taking back the gun show loophole, which is bullshit. Right now, y'all are dealing with the bump stocks. No, no, not the bump stocks, the uh, braces uh, being marginalized. So there's a thing called an Overton window, and it's actually even spelled out recently how they push uh, agendas towards the Overton window or where, how they move the Overton window according to their plans. And what happens is uh, they decide that something is too much, something, you know, too many mag, too many rounds, too fast, too interesting looking, whatever it happens to be. And then they apply pressure and they, they change the opinions of it. So what we're trying to do, and the Guncho loophole was one of those. They created a bunch of crazy laws. And then when those crazy laws weren't as effective as they lied about, they would be, they needed to divert and distract, distract from the case that their stupid laws were in fact causing more problems than they actually you know, were designed to fix. So what they'll do is take a look at the something and they found individual sales was something that they could use, a, a vector, a catalyst, something that they could use as a little pebble to twist a large rock upon or a large stone upon. A little fulcrum, a little pivot. So when they use the gun show loophole as a way to uh, confuse what gun shows are, to confuse what sales are, then uh, they sit back and giggle and they win because they've made the conversation uh, a quest for 
awareness as opposed to a quest for accuracy. Or maybe it's a quest for accuracy over a quest for results. And in other words, they come in, say something stupid. We say, here's the dynamic. They'll come in, the anti-rights people will say something stupid, wrong, or just you know, say in a weird way, and then we'll correct them. And then the conversation's over. Sometimes they'll argue about the correction, right? And then the conversation's over. We say, we've accomplished something. They say, they've distracted us. Everybody's happy, except we shouldn't be. Because all they've done is taken away. We've said, you shouldn't. And they said, why? And then we've explained it to them. And then they said, walked away. So nothing's changed. They just come in and they, they take these cuts. They take these slashes. The gun show loophole was one of those. I think uh, at some point in 2016, 17, I got sick of, you know, that dynamic and nobody on our side was taken back gun show loophole so i decided to do that so i bought gun show loophole tour.com and uh started to call the tour the gun show loophole tour because we were going to gun shows i'm a big fan of gun shows and it just bothers me to no end the whole gun show loophole marginalization and the reason i'm able to get away from it is because i'm not a, bunch of people on our site don't appreciate gun shows they don't really like gun shows and they were just as happy to see gun shows leave because they didn't care it's not my show i don't care you know something i don't go to it so i don't care and that was frustrating because that's the same thing with revolvers and that's the same thing with shotguns and hunting rifles and ar-15s and high capacity magazines and, and hollow point bullets and every other compromise that we've made either as a national or individual you know, state level local level so uh, we called it the Gun Show Loophole Tour, and we bought the website, and as we do, because we've got a lot of websites, and this way we're able to document, archive, and just you know leave a record of what we do. Also, lets people that are interested in participating or being uh, aware of what we're doing or go back and check it out, a place to do that instead of having to find it a million different sources. So let's take a quick second and talk about talk two content creators, people that are creating content out there. I would say 90% of the people that are creating content have fallen into some sort of situation where they think that the content they create on the social platforms is theirs. I'm putting on my quote signs. They think that the, the posts that they put on YouTube or Instagram are theirs and it's their content. It mean, yeah, you put it there and you may own it, but all they have to do is knock your channel down and now you're not there anymore, right? So it can be theirs all you want until it isn't there anymore. Uh, websites are a lot harder for them to decide you shouldn't have it because it's yours. And you put it there and it's on your place and they can't do nothing about it. So big fan of websites, big fan of archiving your content on your property, right? On your place. Now, if you don't have a website, if you're not familiar with them, check out 2A web hosting. Uh, it's, uh, guntube.org. Mike, the guy that created guntube.org, has 2A web hosting, a fairly inexpensive and easy way to, to get your um, websites built and hosted. Jacob's asking if I got the package. Yeah, we did that live the other day. I thought you were there. Sorry. So uh, we opened it up live the other day. But thanks for sending those in. I did get it. Thanks. Yep. I don't really give people a place together, but I appreciate it. Thanks for that. G23. Uh, let's see. So we're talking about the tour, why we did the tour, why we call it the Gun Show Loophole Tour. And I started the thing in 16, calling it the Gun Show Loophole Tour. We 
started out with Bob there. We've talked about this in previous weeks. And Bob came down from Canada to Tucson. We drove into New Mexico and up to uh, uh, Albuquerque area and then further north into Colorado. Had a really good time doing that and decided, let's do this again for real. And Bob came back and then we attempted to do some other trips, but between Bob insisting on bringing a giant fifth wheel and his old truck and him wanting to bring even more, like a motorcycle and other stuff, uh, Bob started getting grandiose in his scale. And unfortunately, his fortunes and his fame didn't you know, have any way to provide for all that. So he wasn't able to continue coming down. And then for other reasons, you know, it's just expensive to come down with gas and everything from Canada to travel around. He can come down to hang out in one spot easier than he can to come down to travel. So um, for the Bob part of it, that part didn't last super long, but it did was fun while it lasted. And Bob did come down to Tucson beyond that to be part of the show for sure. And then uh, the tour to some extent. And Bob helped when I was on the road to host the show. So we had a co-host that was consistent with uh, while I was driving around and uh, having less consistency with being able to be at places for the show as the show started. I could get places half an hour late or 15 minutes late and then Bob could start the show and then I would show up kind of stuff. So that worked out pretty good. But the uh, tour itself kind of started in 16 and then I had decided there's no way I can do the tour in the cop car as fun as it is driving around a cop car. Um, without Bob's camper to camp in, the cop car requires a hotel room or camp sites or something. You can't really camp or sleep in a cop car very easily at all. If it's still in a configuration of a cop car, I mean, you could gut it or something and turn it into something weird. But uh, as a cop car, it wasn't working as a touring vehicle. Uh, the back seat wasn't good for dogs. It's a cop car back seat with the prisoner stuff back there. So, um, Cop cars still exist, but I just put it up on blocks, essentially, and then, or actually just let all the tires go flat so it can't go anywhere. But uh, it's now setting on blocks, and the, we bought that in 2006, 1986 van from a school. And that lasted about a year, let's say, not quite. The engine blew out on that, and the transmission was not far behind. So instead of trying to fix that one up, ended up, in 2017, taken out a loan, the first of my dumbass ideas, took out a loan, bought the 2002 Chevy van, which is the van that exists now, and started out on the tour. So that's what we're talking about today, is the first tours with the, to the new van, the van that exists today. So this was the second year of the Gun Show Loophole Tour, named or branded the gun show loophole tour as a thing going to gun shows on weekends gun shops every day in between checking out museums and industry events along the way and this was the heyday of gun channels so hanging out with gun channels folks and uh you know being part of those kind of meetups and stuff so let's see the 2017 tour had 12,000 miles 52 days on the road so almost two months on the road that year 61 gun shops 18 states, nine firearms museums. That one started, we had five different tours. There's a t-shirt, tried to do kind of um, tour type t-shirts for each of the years. Uh, so if you want to support what we're doing and you want to wear a shirt around that says bunch of loophole on it, you can grab them over at the print on demand places. There's links there. 
I guess I can click on it. Oh, this was for some sort of uh, fundraising thing, I guess we did back then. I don't remember doing that, but it says campaign has ended. So then we've got uh, the first one was going up to the first route, I guess, was heading up to SHOT Show, which almost always happens because it's in Jan the beginning of Jan or the middle of January each year. Then we uh, toured a bunch of Arizona gun shops and then the, air, the uh, Red Dawn filming locations. That was sort of the test run for the new van. And then eventually got the van on the road, headed up towards the Bannerman Castle and uh, did what we call the Old West Guns Cards Tour. Ended up later in the year after we were back in Arizona, going up to the SAR Show, Small Arms Review Show. Would you see any has a patch from both of the vans? Was there a cop car patch? Nah, kind of. The cop car patch is, um, I don't have one up here anywhere. It's in the cop car, and I think I keep one in the van. The uh, cop car patch is one I sewed. It's only about that big. And uh, it's just the cop car. So you know how the Arizona sun is? Imagine the Arizona Sun, this is the Arizona patch. Imagine that that was a cop car and it was round. So it's sort of like the Arizona background with uh, the Arizona flag background, but with the cop car. And I was, it was when I knew how to work the machine and made make patches, it's just that uh, I, I only made one with the robot. I never had them made. Uh, putting the cop car together is something I'll probably do when I get old or super rich. But uh, I really like the idea of a cop car, and I would probably be using it more if I could afford hotel rooms and if it had cruise control. It really sucks doing road trips with that thing without cruise control. And remember, in 2012, we took the cop car all the way to D.C. and back. So I've definitely done road trips with that thing, and uh, it's super fun. But without the cruise control, it's just annoying. All right, so uh, first trip. 900 miles up to SHOT Show. We didn't put that one in the trip in the blue here, but you know, going down here from Tucson, going up to Nevada. Is that too difficult? It's about eight hours each way, and we've driven it a billion times now. So something that we don't, we can't quite do it. I mean, I can do the trip in my sleep, but there's the road changes and things change. So it's worth staying awake for it. But if they ever made like some kind of a shuttle where you could just jump on a train, drive onto a train and fall asleep and wake up in Vegas, I'd be doing that every time. However, if you've never taken the trip before, the drive between Tucson and Vegas is freaking great. The drive between Phoenix and Vegas is freaking great. The drive between uh, Albuquerque and Vegas is okay. It's not as great as the one from Phoenix. And then I guess there's some places in California that might be interesting to drive to Vegas. I bring that up because we're talking about the tour today and we kind of talked about SHOT Show and SHOT Show's around the corner here in about 30 days. The, um, or the, we know a couple of people who will intentionally fly to a different town, rent an interesting car somewhere else, and then drive to Vegas as part of their SHOT Show experience. Just throwing that out there. You don't have to just make it a duty or an obligation to go to SHOT Show. You can have some fun included in the overall adventures in your life type of thing. And if you're a content creator, doing that is an opportunity for a ton of content, not just uh, the car itself and the drive, but then the adventures you have along the way, the sites and things you're going to see. 
So we have the SHOT Show as the beginning of our adventures each year, and it's just the way that the calendar works out, and we're close enough to Vegas that it's not a given. It costs money to get there, but it's certainly the first thing we're going to try to do, and we've successfully done each year. So it usually starts out our tour. So uh, we don't head out from SHOT Show ever. In fact, I've never done that. We've always come back, but that has more to do with the people that go to SHOT Show. It's more than just me, so everybody else has to come home and do different things. Um, I've thought about booking out from SHOT Show, but I've never seriously considered it. Um, the thing that you would take off from SHOT Show to do is in Pennsylvania, so it would take considerable resources to be able to leave from Vegas and head to Pennsylvania for that next event in the series of, you know, the scheme of things uh, for the firearms community uh, without being paid to do it, because that, that would definitely take all your time and quite a bit of resources to get over there. And then that show is nine days long, so it spans two weekends, and then you'd have to go somewhere after, so coming back to Tucson or going wherever you're going next would be an beginning of an interesting year, but it would definitely start the year right off. So for us, we come back from Tucson, or back to Tucson from uh, SHOT Show and got back to it. But we decided to drive around and take a look at some Arizona shooting, or excuse me, Arizona gun shops. So this was still in the cop car, did not yet have the van. Now, one of the things I didn't really talk about in 2016, I already had the other van, but it was dying and I was still considering, you know, trying a different van. So I started shopping for the van, the first van in 2016, and I never really stopped shopping for a van. I would always constantly watch the van sources, I guess. There's lots of different sources for any vehicle you might be looking for. When I was looking for a van, I wanted a cargo van and I wanted a prior fleet vehicle, something that had come from like, well, eventually the post office, but like a police department, uh, maybe like a prison, if it was the right kind of occupation or job there, the school, if it was the right kind of thing. So that first van was from a plumbing department or like the plumbing crew of an elementary school district. And that was not a good van to buy. It was cheap, very cheap, it was $500. However, it cost money to get it going and it was in bad condition. This, the van I have now was from the post office and it was, I believe, the kind of van that you would use just to move or the kind of vehicle you'd use to move mail between this post office and this post office, but not a delivery vehicle, just like a back and forth courier vehicle. So it got a lot of miles, but they were fairly light miles as far as the use on the vehicle. So, uh, so anyway, the, uh, um, as I was shopping for that one, I was checking out probably 16 to 20 other vans along the way, you know, checking things out, going to churches, looking at passenger vans, not a great option, too many windows, all those seats. But, you know, again, if I found something that was decent, sometimes charities are overly cautious, so they'll get something donated or they'll get something new and they'll replace it or move it on, move it, you know, pass it along way before its serviceable life is over. And that's just a, how gun shy they are with mechanics or you know if they've got people in their organization that are comfortable evaluating you know mechanical stuff so uh you know I, I did a lot of exploration on van purchasing through those years so during that time i was still deciding to purchase or not bob was down here we were doing the show and instead of just sitting around and i did have the other van i guess uh we went around and 
did some tours. Now, Bob, I don't think ever got to see any of the Bob, the bands working. So even though I had that other band, it had, I had done that California tour while Bob wasn't here. And then it was just dead here. And Bob was kind of helping on this trip. If I remember everything right, this, this section after SHOT Show, Bob came back to Tucson. Oh, wait, did he come back to Tucson? I can't remember. But anyway, I think that's when we evaluated that the engine was just gone and that the transmission wasn't far behind, so it was going to need an overhaul or a new engine. So anyhow, during that time, we got back in the cop car. Bob was down here, so we just kind of went in the his fifth wheel and headed up to Phoenix. So Sarge's sidearms, King's Arm. Oh, actually, these are down south. So Sarge's sidearms, King's Armory, Apocalypse Arms, High Country Guns, and Tombstone. Uh, gunshots are all down in Tombstone area or headed down south from Tucson towards New Mexico is where Tombstone is. So if you think of Arizona, let's go grab that map again. If we take this map of Arizona, this highly detailed map of Arizona here, this is a highly detailed map of Arizona. That star, let's say that's Phoenix, even though it's not anywhere near that big, it's right in the center, let's say. Tucson's down here someplace. So if you go south from Tucson, you're going to hit Mexico. This giant line is the international border with Mexico. This line is the border with New Mexico, and that's the river that, between us and California. So if you go down here to Tucson, you go south, you're going to hit Mexico. If you go south towards uh, New Mexico, right, go southeast, pretty much down here someplace, that's where you're going to hit Tombstone, where everybody hears, hears about Tombstone from uh okay corral and stuff like that so uh we were down in tombstone area checking out gun shops and guess what there's a lot of history down in southern arizona and there's a lot of mines and towns and stuff so uh lots of not lots but there are gun shops down there and uh that's what we were uh, touring with bob and we were just checking out the lakes we were kind of getting ready to do an arizona podcast uh, talking about the geology, the wildlife, the lakes and trails and campgrounds of Arizona. And then, of course, the hunting and the fishing and the bird watching and the other natural um, resources that Arizona offers. So we went down to kind of prep for that and, and let Bob explore Arizona. You know, Arizona's pretty awesome. Uh, everybody thinks that Arizona's being deserts. New Mexico is the empty deserts, just sand and beach-looking deserts. For some reason, that's all in New Mexico. A little bit in California when you think of like the, what's that thing called? The, whatever that one desert is in, Arizona, in California. Arizona doesn't really have any of that. We have some of it over in Yuma, but for the most part, it's uh, most our desert is just uh, like what you see in an old Western. It's just uh, small bushes and... and uh, um, what do they call those things? The uh, sagebrushes, a lot of sagebrush growing, so bushes that are the size up to your knees, a lot of trees that are just taller than your head, craggly creosote bushes and trees and stuff. So pretty green in Arizona. And then when it blooms, when all the cactuses are in bloom, it's very colorful, very green. And a lot of people just enjoy Arizona for its beauty like that. So Bob was enjoying its beauty. Oh, we also went to a bunch of shooting ranges. Those are all listed here. And then... After a while, we figured out that uh, I did get the other van. Now, let's see. Bob went back to Canada, I think, at that point. I ended up getting that other van. And now I'm thinking, I got to get on the road. I'm going nuts. Got to get on the road. So I wanted to get on the road with that new van. However, lots of questions, right? Lots of question marks. 
So what I ended up doing is heading up into uh, New Mexico again and then up to Colorado. Decided to uh, check out the Red Dawn filming locations again, uh, more of them, and then hang out in Colorado for a bit, head up to Colorado since the New Mexico filming locations are, I think, two hours south of Colorado. And um, there's a gunsmithing school right on the border there of Colorado and New Mexico. I had been invited to it, so I used that as a destination. Now, this was before I knew about Dragon Man, or Dragon Man's like two hours north of that. I would have been a Dragon Man. So in this trip, though, I had the new van, went up. Uh, this is all on daily gun shows. So the Red Dawn filming locations at the high school, check. Red Dawn filming locations at Robert's dad's gas station, the one where they all stop and fill up for uh, or refuel on their way out of town, check. The cliff where yells Wolverines, finally found that one, check. Drove right past the, gar the gas station where they do the Heidi holes and she throws the lunch basket into the tank or they throw her lunch basket into the tank and then the Heidi holes. I drove right past that one later in a different year. I would find that one. Uh, we went to the country store. Uh, okay. These are coming back from Arizona or from Red Dawn filming locations in Colorado and stuff, or maybe going up there. I don't remember anymore. Uh, kind of took an alternative route. There's, let's say there's three different ways to get up there. It's called one the Phoenix way, one the New Mexico way, and one the mountain way. I think I went up there the mountain way to see if the van could handle the mountains. And then uh, checked out a couple of these gun shops that are more like outfitters. They're, they're gun shops, but they're up in the mountains, and they're in little towns that are they're gun shops and hardware stores and surplus stores and outposts. You know, they're, they're kind of a bunch of stores in one, and then they include guns and all that. So some really cool stores, and uh, check those out. Places that we go when we're going hunting, where everybody goes when we're going hunting up in that area. And then uh, we got up to New Mexico, uh, checked out our friends at BMC again. Checked out, you know, one time earlier, I guess the year before this, Bob and I had gone up to Albuquerque and met up for the first time with the BCM, or excuse me, BMC tactical crew. Was it the first time? At least the first time with Bob. And super nice group of people. And they've always helped us out with our projects and stuff. Been really cool. And like paying attention and aware of what we're doing. One of the reasons, uh, you know, we're such big fans of gun shops is because gun shops are cool. So anyhow, uh, BMC uh, went up there. Saw, oh, I guess in this trip in 17, I kind of recapped or revisited a bunch of the shops that I had visited with Bob the year before, or maybe two years, I guess the year before. So uh, it was kind of interesting seeing the same shops a year later after not living there, you know, so just visiting. Uh, it was interesting, as you can imagine, especially any shop is going to change over a year, but seeing or having to try to see all the changes of these different shops, it wasn't expected. I usually expect to see ch shops change very little, but something about 2017, those shops, some of them went out of business, some of them got much larger. Interesting. All right, so we did reviews of those and, you know, of course, doing the daily show during that whole thing. Well, let's see. We didn't ever get to the gunsmithing school. Every time I go up there, they're just not in service or they're not you know, actually in class. 
So I have yet to have an actual tour of the place, but I've had lots of contact with them and conversations. I've met with them at Chacho. They set up at Chacho. I think I've seen them at some other places, uh, the Trinidad College that's there in Colorado. But um, never actually, I've been even drove around the campus, so I know where the gunsmithing school is. I've just never actually been able to get there when they're there to let me in. So this was one of those times. And then we came back through the VLA. I don't know if people know about the very large array in New Mexico, but it's pretty cool. If you're ever in the middle of nowhere, coming south from Albuquerque, probably you gotta be heading towards from Albuquerque to Phoenix or Albuquerque to Tucson. Otherwise there's no point going there. I guess if you're just going south from Albuquerque, for some reason to, I don't know who would go from Albuquerque to El Paso, but somebody might. If you ever did that, you might be able to go past the VLA. It would take you an hour or two out of your way each way, but uh, maybe four hours out of your way altogether. But it's those giant radio telescopes that people have seen in movies before, and they're so giant that they're on railroad tracks. So the, each of the radio telescopes is the size of a giant building with a giant you know, radar antenna on top of it. So they're giant buildings. They look like the things that the space shuttle goes into, but they've got radar stations on top of them. And they're on railroad tracks. The whole building is on a railroad track. And then these railroad tracks are like a big star in the desert. They just they just go like this. And when they're next to each other, you know, they're huge. And when they spread out, they're like 17 miles apart or seven mi 17 miles apart or 37 miles apart from each other. They make a giant, very large array of radio telescopes and they're on railroad tracks, so they can set them different. There's, I don't know how many of them, dozens of them, so they can move them and stuff. So, I mean, I've driven past there probably a dozen times. Sometimes I've seen them moving. I've seen them, I haven't ever seen them all the way out, I don't think, because you'd never see them when they're all the way out. They'd be too far apart from each other. But I have seen them all together when it's shut down, and I've seen them, you know, kind of in the process. So I've seen them apart from each other, but uh, super neat. And then one time, couple of times now we've stopped there and walked around there's a museum there there's people there but you can imagine they're super bored because it's in the middle of nowhere so usually if you stop they're interested in shutting off whatever they're doing and talk to you for a while you can camp there if you turn off all your stuff you have to turn off all your electronics and stuff it's kind of neat i've stopped there before and camped so anyway the very large array i think that was the time we camped there it was the first time i actually camped there it just worked out that on the way home i think i dropped i stopped by there and went radio silent, which was kind of weird for being on the internet thing and doing the tour and everything to go radio silent for a little while at the very large array. It's part of a neat part of the trip in the new van. Let's see, that was with Oro back then, so the Doberman. And then uh, we include some closed gun shops because as I'm driving around, I might know a gun shop or two that are worth checking out or somebody might say, hey, this is a gun shop that's worth going to. But typically when we're on the road driving, I've got a destination, let's say a gun shop or a Wanamaker or something like a gun show that's coming up uh, in a week or two. Uh, maybe that castle in New York, so I'm driving towards that. If I've got the option of driving down a highway or taking the old highway, you know, the old interstate or something, and I'm going to be stopping, it's going to take a lot longer. I don't care because I'm in a regular van. I'm not in a big camper. I'm not in some kind of car where I'm wish I was racing along, you know, I'm in a delivery vehicle, essentially. So driving the, the side roads or the inter, old interstates is pretty neat because you see different signs. So the signs are typically more local. They're like regional, local, as opposed to, hey, I'm an international or interstate driver and I need a place to just get gas and that's it. So the, you know, the signs on the highway or the big highways 
aren't really gun shops or anything. You get to the interstates, the small interstates, all of a sudden you start seeing signs for stuff that people care about. So the gun shop signs start showing up. So that's a lot of fun. And I'll see gun shop signs and then I'll pull over and I'll check them out. Now in New Mexico, more than other places that I can remember, but it's also because I live next to New Mexico, there are a lot of those signs. You follow them, you get to wherever they tell you to go, and that gun shop's been closed for a couple of months or a year, you know, back in 2017 at least. So um, we had a lot of swell. We had a lot of bloat in the industry, in the community, when the uh, different shortages and different infringements were threatened on us. The world we live in today, this this environment of the anti-rights folks with ignorant or unaware frustration at firearms themselves instead of the factors that make up violence, you know, that they get fixated on the firearm and they attack it. That dynamic that we have today where they just, like piranha, just constantly attack the gun, you know, that started from somewhere. That didn't just start. That, st that became a tactic that evolved after, you know, failures mostly and a couple of successes. But mostly they fail at doing everything else. And then, you know, they have some successes. So in the past, some of those failures created uh, shortages or concern like fear, right? So when they first started those attacks, people weren't as resilient to them. People thought, oh my goodness, they're gonna take our guns. So there were, there were times of calm. In fact, most of our lives were calm. And then in the 2004 to now era, the anti-rights folks have attempted different things or taken advantage or exploited different circumstances in the environment where, or in the, you know, the, the culture, the community where, uh, you know, Obama would say, we're going to take your rights away. And then people would say, uh oh, I'm concerned. I better go purchase. And now people would say, oh, people are purchasing and there's not enough, uh, you know, stores in town and you don't need an FFL to sell parts, let's say, to an AR. You don't need an FFL to sell a rail or a optic or a grip angle or whatever. You only need the FFL to sell that one part. So I'm just going to sidestep the whole process and open up a store that just sells parts for ARs. I don't ever need an FFL. I can just buy this $1,000 uh, storefront, buy a bunch of stuff on net 30 credit. I'll sell most of it and pay off all of it and then be rolling. And then as soon as I figure out what my income source is, I just start buying more stuff. And then the least scrupulous of them would make contacts with those manufacturers and say, what's going, what's the stuff that's least popular? What's the stuff that you can't move? Sell me that. And then they would, you know, put their marketing out there to sell those grip ankles and those, those red dots. So anyway, we saw a lot of bloat in the beginning of all that dynamic. And that bloat, those stores that were just going to sell holsters and CCW stuff way before constitutional carry, you know, just at the beginning of the CCW wave, which nobody ever talks about anymore. But the CCW wave, which created a bunch of stores for holsters. Hey, I don't need to sell guns. I can just sell holsters. I can just sell flashlights. I can just sell tasers. I don't need to sell guns like a sucker. And you get a lot of bloat. So the result of all that bloat is... After there's a swell of gun shops, well, gun shops, some gun shops and some gun accessory shops, is what happens is those shops go out of business because they were never in business. They were just taking advantage of the situation. And once the situation changes, their business model doesn't exist. 
All right, so that's what we've got uh, this closed gun shops segment in here because uh, you know I've always wanted if I had a staff if I had interns that I could task to do stuff one of the things that uh, I've got a folder of somewhere is a picture a folder of all the different closed gun shops that I've visited like I say since I don't set these things up ahead of time and prep plan them and have some intern give me a map that's all you know prepared. I don't just go to gun shops that are waiting for me with open arms and like a big celebration. In fact, I do the opposite. You know what my dog looks like, but nobody knows what I look like when I go into a gun shop. I can go into a gun shop and I can check it out and they don't know I'm there and I don't have to make an announcement. So go into these shops, didn't need any kind of prior whatever. I would just walk into a shop, those 200 gun shops that I went to, I just went in unannounced and said, hey, this is cool. Do you mind if I take pictures of your shop? I had one shop in New York say no. I had one shop in New Mexico say no. I had one shop in, I can't remember anymore, somewhere like Indiana or someplace I think say no, out of 200 gun shops, like those three or something like that. Most of the time gun shops are like, yeah, sure, what's it about? I tell them, oh, I drive around looking at gun shops and they go, oh, snap, that's pretty cool. So um, anyway, the, uh, the tour itself, Start uh, kind of got. I don't know. Say it, it, we tested out the van. We tested out the concept of uh, stealth camping, which I guess I never even mentioned. The reason I went with a van, a delivery van, is to stealth camp. And thinking about stealth camping and actually stealth camping are two different things. Having a van and having a van set up to stealth camp in are two different things. So this first trip in 2017 was to get the van out there and what I thought I needed in the van and see what happens. And I didn't put the dates in here, but this was nice time of year. This was like spring, so it wasn't hot yet and it wasn't cold anymore for the Arizona, New Mexico part of this trip. Colorado might've been a little bit cold, but it wasn't cold anymore. All right, so then there's a quick trip to Phoenix going up to visit uh, Saber Nights and Scottsdale Gun Club. So this was, again, just to drive the van. And back in the Gun Channels days, we had this guy that was uh, Brandon, who was up in Phoenix. And he put a store together for lightsabers. And you would could buy and fix and modify and update your lightsaber there. So people that buy lightsabers fiddle with them all the time, I guess. And this is a store where you could go to do stuff to your lightsaber, I guess. So that was a factor of portion of it. But then also, if you had a lightsaber, you could learn how to swing it around. And you could either learn how to swing it around for like cosplay, so that your movies or something would look good. Or uh, if you were acting or something, like so that your sword play would look good. And then they also did sword or we call it lightsaber stuff as like an aerobic exercise, I think. So it was kind of a three or four different approach to a lightsaber store. And it was in the parking lot where Scottsdale Gun Club is. So this was not farting around. This wasn't like hidden away in some store, uh, industrial storefront alongside somebody, you know, making tile cabinets or something. This was uh, right there in the parking lot of where Scottsdale Gun Club is, pretty fancy area of Phoenix. So we went up there to check that out. We went to the Scottsdale Gun Club and uh, did a couple other, it's like, uh, gun shops up there. So then got kind of figured out how to work the van, how to drive it and everything, how to stealth camp in it. So we started off on the big trip. 
9,000 miles, leaving Tucson, 18 states, 36 days, little over a month on the road, ended up seeing 61 gun shops, nine firearms museums, a castle, uh, six gun shows in six different states, and 9,000 miles on the van. So we headed out from Tucson and headed up through, uh, where did we go, Texas, and then through Texarkana somehow, came up from Texarkana into Arkansas, and then across. So in Texarkana, the water pump went out. So I spent most of the day, most of the day in Texarkana, which is a town, I keep calling it that. It's a town, it's like a region of Texas and Arkansas. So that's Texarkana. And where Texas and Arkansas meet, they like to say Texarkana a bunch of times. So anyway, I'm in this town that's halfway Texas and halfway Arkansas. I think it was in the Texas part still. I went to an auto parts place and I was like, do you mind if I check, change my water pump in the parking lot? Yeah, like, no, we don't care. What are you asking us for? So then uh, spent the rest of the day trying to change the water pump in that van. What a pain in the ass. And it still has a squeak from that. So I got some of the silicone crap on a belt somewhere and then it still squeaks from that. That's a horrible day. So I'm spending and then I get the rest of the way up to um, where I'm headed and get up there, farting around. I was going to somebody's birthday. So I had sort of a timeline. So I'm booking up and I waste a day of that, you know, deadline trying to get somewhere for somebody's birthday. I waste a day of that, you know, any kind of wiggle room in that route, any kind of like casual driving or any kind of spend the day going slow or something or let me stop here, you know, on that stupid water pump. So uh, kind of barely got to Illinois on time. I think I stopped by one of the places. I think I stopped by to see what's his face in Southern Illinois. Didn't I? Yeah, I think I did. So I think I stopped by to see somebody and had to be like, hey, man, I got to say hey and then leave because I'm really late now. So anyway, it was it was a little bit hectic because that water pump got to, got to where I was going in uh, um, Midwest and then farting around up there. I think I was there for a few days. Like I said, I was going to somebody's birthday. And then now I'm heading out to New York and I'm heading over to Smeggy's first. So Smeggy still lived up north in the Midwest, and I was heading over to hang out with Smeggy for a minute, because instead of going to hotels, I was just living on people's couches to couch. So um, even though I had the van, I was uh, appreciating, you know, a shower. I didn't have, did I have the gym membership yet? I think I did, but I was still getting accustomed to the gym membership for showers and that kind of stuff. And also there has to be that gym in where I'm going, you know, so just because there's a lot of them doesn't mean there's one every town where I'm going. So it's nice to have people along the way. And this is again, the height of gun channels times. So we're actually in this section now. So I'm heading up to, to cast the castle. I haul ass to get to that birthday party. I'm farting around looking at gun shops, getting ready to head out of town to head to New York. And what do you think happens? <laughs> Transmission goes out on that van, $3,000 on the credit card. So I just Took out a loan to buy the damn van, kind of prepped it all, got it all ready to go, figured it out. I forget what I spent, $300 getting the back, like putting all the insulation and stuff. I think it was like $300 putting all the insulation and stuff and the carpet and stuff into the back. It's not really, if you've ever seen the van, it's not really a camper by any means, but it's not a just a cargo van either. I've carpeted, I've insulated with styrofoam and stuff. 
the walls and then lay a, put a layer of carpet or multicam depending on where it is i use the carpet as giant patch panel and then the multicam is just multicam right it just looks cool so it keeps the back semi decent temperature wise but it's just a cargo van you know there's nothing back there really so that way i can transport i can haul stuff i mean i can easily put a bunch of dirt and stuff in the back not just i can put boxes of dirt in the back boxes of plants and garbage it's not quite a van for hauling stuff around but in other words i can still haul stuff around if i need to so um it's uh it's a sparse kind of barely modified back of the van there's nothing fancy going on back there um so anyway because of that i'm still learning how to uh, camp out of it and whatnot anyway the uh the transmission goes out three thousand bucks so had a credit card to put it on put it on there the credit card's still maxed out still dead so uh i'm just paying off that thing every month um anyhow so then head out to the castle finally got to the castle now this is 2017 five years later after trying to get to the castle for the first time in 2012 so that castle is in New York, and if you've ever seen a Bannerman's catalog, this is where the stuff was from the Bannerman's catalog. It couldn't have been better, except if they would have let me go anywhere I want. So you get to New York, which is a lot of fun because I hadn't been there before. So on this tour, did we get to California? I guess not. But we definitely got to a couple of states where you can't have guns in them, New York being one of them. So that was a whole adventure in itself. I, I did have guns and I was going to be driving into New York and I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I ended up chatting with a gun shop in Pennsylvania, have, leaving my guns in Pennsylvania to be cleaned at the gun shop, which is perfectly legal and legitimate, and then headed off into New York while the gun shop had my guns. That was, man, that was nice. I had no... Uh, um, I was like completely comfortable with what was happening with the guns. You know, they were secure, they were in good good hands, and then I could go do my thing at the castle. Castle was awesome. You, you park, you get on a boat, the boat takes you across to the island, and then they let you off the island and they just let you walk around. It couldn't have been better. It is so awesome. You just walk around, hang out, talk to the different people so they have different places on the island where people know what they're doing, are standing there, and you can go, hey, what's up? And they'll tell you a story or something. They'll tell you something you might want to know. So I would just walk around to stand next to these people and then either ask them something or just wait for other people to come up and ask them stuff and then listen or film it. It was awesome. So really, really enjoyed seeing the castle finally. Um, you know, the walls have fallen down and it's destroyed and it's fallen apart, but at least I've been there. At least I've seen it, got to see the scale and the size of it and where it is. And I can say I've been to New York before. A bunch of people are too scared to go to New York and I'm not going to let some stupid bullshit laws. I mean, I had to comply with their stupid laws, but at least I was uh, able to stand in New York, which I wasn't, you know, it took me five years to even finalize that one. So it was pretty fun. Um, Go to New York, and the, one of the best parts about it, too, is we get done and we're posting everything on Instagram, and as we're posting stuff on Instagram about having been to the island, the dude who's the captain of the boat says, oh, you're, you, that was you guys? You should let me know. So now I know that the captain of the boat follows the channel and knows who we are. So, um, you know, it's probably, well, anyway, hopefully going back to the castle at some point. Now that I got the drone, you know, that'll be 
that'd be freaking awesome. Plus, I know a new thing that I'm learning, so uh, really, really, really looking forward to getting back to the castle. So that'll be on the itinerary for future travels again. So let's see, on that 9,000 mile adventure, we hit 18 states. We were on the road for 36 days, saw 61 gun shops and nine firearms museums, six gun shows in six different states, and then 9,000 miles. So after the New York adventure, I headed south into Pennsylvania, uh, what's that called? Philadelphia, hooked up with Moon Food and dropped off some ammo cans or something to him for pictures. Then went into DC, hung out with Marco. Now I think I, did I go to Pink's on the way over to there? I don't think so. So I went to Marco's or I went to DC, hung out with Marco in DC for a while and then left there headed to Pink's place in Washington, in Ohio. So you leave DC and you go to Monticello, I think. And then I went across West Virginia and up West Virginia past Gettysburg or something. So I was kind of, wait, no, 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 no. That was a different one. I went from DC straight up past Krabby Turtle, I think, and checked out some of the ranges in Maryland and then went over to the ATF technology branch. So this is the tour in 17 where I went past the ATF technology branch and we did a copy of this show, the Daily Gun Show, across the street from where all the 4473s are sitting in cargo containers. So my dog went over and I tried to get him to pee on the ATF's cargo containers, but he couldn't pee. But we went over there and stood there getting video as if he was gonna pee next to the cargo container. So my dog has peed on a MIG, not this dog, Oro, the good one, uh, the Doberman. He's peed on a freaking Russian MIG, and he could have peed on the ATF technology branch's uh, 4473 archive. So pretty cool dog. Anyhow, so then uh, went to Pink's place, hung out there. He helped us fix some stuff on the van. Thank you very much. And then uh, left Pink's place and headed towards Tulsa. I think that's how it went. Went to the Tulsa Wanamaker show. And let's see, in 17, y'all have to remind me who all was at that one. It was a pretty big one, if I remember correctly. I don't think that was the biggest one ever, but that was one of the bigger ones. Uh, and then after Tulsa, I headed south into Texas, if I remember this one right, and went to the Gun Rights Policy Conference and AMCON, and this is the first AMCON I attended. So went to the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Dallas, and I was checking out different gun shops around Dallas, and that's when Adam Richardson was posting, here's the itinerary for the AMCON, and I was like, what the fuck is AMCON? So I just went over there that minute, like, what? And I was like on the other side of Dallas, and it was, I don't know, eight in the morning or something, and he's telling me about some itinerary for AMCON that's gonna be starting soon. So I was like, you know, deet, deet, deet. how do I get the, the gun rights policy conference hotel into my GPS fast? And then it took me 36 minutes to drive over there. And I got there and I'm like, what's up with this thing? And they're like, oh, this is Second Amendment media. So I'm like, I'm going in then, all right? And they're like, did you sign up? I'm like, nope. And they're like, all right, I guess. So I just crashed it. And uh, that's a whole nother topic. So that was the first AMCON. I just crashed it. And then... Uh, Went to the Gun Rights Policy Conference, live streamed it, of course, except Rogue from the back. Nobody else was there. Wait, was anybody? Clover? No, Clover wasn't even there. This was nobody. Nobody was in Dallas that year. Was there? 
I'm trying to remember. I don't think anybody was in Dallas that year. Um, and then booked back to Tucson. So that was the, or no, I think then I went down to San Antonio. So that's after this one, I went to, after gun rights policy, I went down to Waco and then down to, down to San Antonio. And then from San Antonio back over to Tucson. Tucson. That's a shitty drive. Anybody driven from San Antonio to Tucson? Tucson? That's not the funnest drive. It could be a very dangerous drive, too. You have to drive through El Paso. All right, so um, that was 9,000 miles. That was pretty fun. Now, that wasn't the end later on in the year. When, when it's a good year, I wrap up the year heading up to the SAR show in Phoenix. I couldn't afford to do it this year. There's you know, probably more years that I can't afford to do it than I can. But in the 17 years that that show's been going, well, the 22 years that that show's been going on, I probably hit, well, 14 of them or something maybe. So this is one of the years I missed, but that was the 17 tour. So that was a pretty big year for the tour. Uh, the new van, new bills, still suffering from some of those bills. And instead of learning from that and like doing financially smart things like paying off my bills, I got into more debt in 18 and 9 or 19 and 20 doing the patch batches but uh whatever it would probably be boring if those rich people are probably boring so uh yeah the gun show loophole tour killed my 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 uh any ability to uh make money doing the channel or anything and probably drove the channel into obscurity as far as like there's no way i'm using the youtube recipes anymore you know especially after some, well stuff that i did before that but 17 just secured it in spite of that in spite of not using the youtube recipes uh, we were able to get out and accomplish this so i don't do it by myself and i'm not independently wealthy i'm not doing it as some sort of retirement project uh, these are fundraising things these are crowdfunding crowdsourcing these are people working together who'd like to see the thing accomplished who'd like to be part of it who uh, get some kind of you know, something from it that's worth it and Hopefully we're doing this with systems and projects and transparently enough that others can learn from it and come up with ways to do their projects and their adventures the same way. All right. So with that, uh, that's, a, I guess, a recap. It's therapeutic for me to go back and remember all that. Nobody's really been asking any questions. Um, G23 said he has a couple of the band patches also. Everybody else just said kind of, hey, GJ's just been saying stuff and then Hillbilly Up is out there. So unless anybody's got anything, so, you know, do say stuff or be part of the show, ask any questions or whatever, um, I guess we'll just keep moving. Wood says, had an amazing talk with several indigenous folks on their take on 2A. They said none of the Bill of Rights applied to them until 1929. They were your constitution. Wait, they were your constitution never protected our property you were like your constitution never protected our property maybe that's the way you're saying it i guess it depends on who you're talking to or which you know let me say indigenous which which group of people you're talking to some of them have no issues with the federal government some of them hate the federal government lots of different situations there's a lot of tribes and a lot of nations and then uh, a lot of how to call it like people's uh the way the people itself describe let's see
seeing if anybody else made any other comments out here during the show that I'm missing. saying or asking, so what part of the trip do you wish you would have been able to spend more time at or with? In 17, the castle, I guess, is the first thing that comes to mind. But um, I like spent, I like hanging out at the VLA. It's a lot of fun there, just in the middle of nowhere. It would be neat to go up into the mountains above the VLA and see. I'd like to, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that would be interesting or not, but I feel like it would be interesting. I've driven south from the VLA before but not smart enough to stop and take pictures on the way going north, south from there. Um, on the big trip, I'd like to take that trip again and spend 18,000 miles almost on the same trip just so that I can make more side trips and spend like 70 days doing it so I can just spend some time I definitely would like to take a drone to the castle and and 3D map it. That would be the pinnacle of things to do. Um, otherwise, spending time in Tulsa is incredible. That year, I still didn't know about um, the well. What's it called? The um, what's the cult collection called? Willarock, Willarock. I didn't know about that museum. And I still think Tulsa is going to be better when everybody starts going to Tulsa for like a four-day weekend instead of a two-day weekend because uh, Tulsa is a cool place to hang out and just get stuff done. I think in, I don't know if it was in 2017 or not, but I know one of the years, I don't know how close it got to actually happening, but I know it was at least in the discussion that we were going to try to rent a resort, not a resort, but like a bunch of cabins, like a camp or something. Um, where people, like a place where people would go for like a weekend retreat, like we were going to try to rent all the cabins in a place like that or something. And that would have been neat to have like a, a whole group of people that each had their own semi-autonomous little places to hang out, but then also we're all in the same place so that we could hang out. That might be pretty neat. And to do something maybe mixed with what KD does with the train and learn so that it could be a... Uh, a skill building and sharing type of thing along with the gun show coverage, you know, that might be pretty neat. And that's sort of what the 2A, what is it called? The 2A uh, summit is all about, getting people together with a purpose at these events. So anyway, that could have been kind of, that could be kind of neat. Going to Texas would be worthwhile. I know you got to be careful chatting up Texas because Texans get all excited, but Texas is pretty good. So I could handle spending way more time in Texas. I don't want to live there again. I don't mind visiting Texas, but I don't want to live there. It's too much private land. I like living in Arizona where there's a lot of public land that nobody can build on. You can't go anywhere in Texas. You're standing on somebody's property. In Arizona, you can go places where nobody owns it. The government owns it. So that means we all own it. So nobody owns it. So it's a little bit different in Texas. So I wouldn't mind spending some time in Texas. Uh, and then I never got down by map down in the tip of Texas. I always wanted to get down there. And I think that was part of the plan, but it got ate up a little bit with money and stuff. Uh, Phoenix and the Southern stuff, the other stuff we did that year, you know, I live here, so I don't care about Arizona. I've been around Arizona, but um, if anybody, you know, if I ever have to go to Arizona again, I'll do it. But 
could definitely leave the Arizona portions of that trip alone and then spend way more time on the rest of the states. Uh, let's see. No worries, you don't have anything to add. That's no big deal. But uh, yeah, so with that, I think I'll wrap this one up. That was the tour in 2017. Of course, SHOT Show is at the beginning of this. So let's think about SHOT Show 2017. That would have been, I don't know who all's first years and who all's second years and who all's third years. I used to keep track of that kind of stuff. In fact, I might keep track of that kind of stuff over at Gun Show Guide, which is a different website that we use to um, review gun shows that we go to, industry events and things like that. And it's possible that for a while I was archiving our experiences at SHOT Show with who all was there and that kind of stuff. So let me see if that's the case. So certainly not on this page. So let me go into 17 and find out what we got. Oh, no, I don't have anything for 17, I guess. Let me go back to the main page. When you get giant pages and you don't have any interns to yell at, Sometimes a page will break here and there. Now it doesn't look like I have a 2017 page right now. I'll check one more place. Oh, we do have a 17. So I'll have to fix some links here, but here's what it looked like in 2017 at SHOT Show. So it was the 39th SHOT Show. It was uh, the 17th through the 20th of February. No, of January at the Sands. This was the Sharpie marker fight. So I bet you nobody here knows what the Sharpie marker fight was. So this is a picture of Bob shaking hands with what's his face from California. So, you know, Gun Channels was 2013 to 2020. Gun Channels started in 2013 with a group of people that had known each other for years. So 2013 version of gun channels is much different than the end version of gun channels. So Bob, I think was around the whole time. Hosh was pre gun channels. And then he hung around for a minute or two during gun channels. And then he would kind of show up every once in a while when he wanted to sell something or do something, you know, so he would show up every once in a while. And then 2017, because he knew Bob, he must've showed up. I think what happened is, he was doing something in Vegas with work and then he stayed around for a day and didn't have, instead of leaving, he stayed around for a day and then that let him bounce, like meet everybody from SHOT Show. And since we had that one evening where he was there and SHOT Show hadn't started yet, uh, a long-standing conversation had the chance to come to light. So got a bunch of pictures from that year. So I don't have any pictures of the knife fight, but this was essentially where it happened. This is the cop car, and this is the Doberman sitting on the cop car. That is some other campers, but this is a bunch of people's beer sitting on the front of my cop car. And then, but this is probably parked right next to Bob's camper in this mobile home camper park or whatever it is in, um, in Vegas. So we're in Vegas off the strip in this campers place and we're all hanging out and everybody's drinking beers and then okay now i'm flash forward flashbacking to i don't remember what year let's just say 2015 because i can't remember no wait no way let's just say 2013 because i can't remember but maybe even before that 
there was a conversation about who's going to win a knife fight. And it was between Bob and Hosh somehow. I can't remember anymore. That was way too long ago. But there was some kind of a conversation about a knife fight. And then it came down to my tactics are better than your tactics on a knife fight. All right. Well, now it's 2017 and somebody was like, oh, you guys are going to be in SHOT Show. You should have a Sharpie marker battle and then use Sharpies instead of knives and see who's got the better knife fighting technique. So you got some kid from California who's a rocket scientist, right? And then you got some dude from Cal from Canada who's some dude from Canada. And now they're going to have this knife fight with markers. So they're like, they're all drunk and they're at night and we're in a mobile home park thing, camper place, whatever this place called, campground. And then Bob puts on an all white jumpsuit, like a yeah, jumpsuit, like a, what you'd wear for painting, I guess. So he puts on this all white jumpsuit and then they both grab Sharpie markers and they started fighting. And I don't know, I'm not gonna try to relive the marker, marker fight, but there was a Sharpie drunk, Sharpie marker knife fight. It wasn't quite the middle of the night, but it was in Vegas the night before SHOT Show that year. So that happened. <clears throat> it looks like we had Bob there for a second year. Yankee was there. I don't remember how Yankee, Yankee's probably been to SHOT Show like three times or four times. So this was one of them. Marco was there. And I think Marco started going after, before Pink, I guess. So this was Pink's first year. Wow. And then Hosh, Darren, he was in Gun Channels, and then us. So then <clears throat> this was Oro's last year. That sucks. So then uh, we drove the cop car up there, and we had an issue with the oil cooler. The adapter had cracked. We needed to be replaced. Otherwise, it ran great. Oh, okay. So there's this thing that goes to the oil cooler that cools the oil in a cop car, and the little thing cracked on that, and I had to buy a replacement thing, and I think that was the concern. I don't like it when stuff breaks right before a trip, right? So here it is at the place getting everything. There's the new van, but uh, we didn't take it up there yet. We didn't have it yet. I don't know why that picture's in there. And then uh, this was sushi somewhere. I'm trying to remember where we ate sushi at that one, if that buffet was still around. There's the cop car out in the middle of the desert looking awesome. That's what the patch is from, pretty much that picture. Uh, this is some kind of guns that we might. Oh, you know what this was? This is we went out to the desert. All right, I got opinions on stuff like red dots and grip angles, and it's not because I'm just old and I don't like stupid new crap. It's because I've been out and watched them harvest money from the from the people, from consumers. So I got invited to a place, and I did a thing. I'm going to call it a private shoot. And when you go to a private shoot, you're not necessarily taking pictures, but your ears are open, and you can learn a lot. So... I was there and I was learning a lot and I've learned a lot over the years about the industry and the people involved in the industry and this and that. So I appreciate the opportunity to go to these events, but there's definitely reasons why I don't participate in some of the typical reindeer games. And I don't agree with them. I don't like exploiting people and requiring that they purchase stuff year after year after year, intentionally making stuff halfway so that you can have another one next year. I mean, that's just, it's capitalism, I guess, but I don't agree with it. 
I mean, I don't agree that that's the only way to do capitalism. So anyway, this was, uh, I think it's been a lot of time that I can, you don't know who I'm talking about. I don't think anybody would know who I'm talking about, but even if you could have, Tink knows who I'm talking about probably, but nobody else knows who I'm talking about. So uh, anyway, definitely I appreciate being invited to things and experiencing things, but there's a reason I don't play the reindeer games. I don't think of everybody as cattle and just dollar bills waiting to be moved around. Anyhow, so then we got the uh, 2005 to 2017 was our 12th year going to SHOT Show. So we sewed up some of these patches for the crew and I guess I have them right here. Back when we had the sewing machine or the robot, I call it, uh, was able to do custom, oops, do custom stuff. Uh, some of the custom stuff we would do is something like this. So the media badges look something like this, the pieces of paper that we wear in our, uh, in our badge holders. So I made up some uh, patches, right? White Velcro on the back and sort of 12th year uh, anniversary patches, I guess. And I don't know how many I made of these. I think I made them for our crew and a couple of other people, maybe. I don't remember. I made a couple of these. And uh, then years later, I made these in 2020 for a lot more people for the Gun Channels crew that was going up. That was the last year of Gun Channels. So uh, that was the first of the Gun Channels, or I mean of the media they passed, of the media patch. Custom patches. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Oh, uh, let's see. We also did the Shot Show Bingo again that year. So somebody started doing Shot Show Bingo back in like 2007 or no six or something like a long, long time ago, and it was just a sarcastic, stupid one. So uh, you know, boot bunnies and see somebody carrying around a cart, like all the stupid stuff that people that don't really care about the show will complain about. So that bothered me because I do care about the show. I see all the good stuff about the show. So I like to promote the good stuff about the show. So ever since then, I've been putting in uh, my, my angle at a SHOT Show bingo. You know, various levels of participation. Some people do it, some people don't. But mine are real things, like attend an event, photograph something you never knew existed, meet a blogger. Because so many of the YouTubers don't, they think everybody watches YouTube. They don't even pay attention to the people that read or listen. We got uh, the same thing. People that do podcasts don't realize that YouTubers are approachable. You can talk to them, right? So we've got uh, donate to a nonprofit or charity, which is an option when you go to SHOT Show. Uh, get a trade, get or trade a patch, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Get some, get out there, start doing stuff at SHOT Show, meeting people and accomplishing some things. So our SHOT Show bingos are nerdy and hopefully a way to, you know, get something more out of shot. And then we'll just wrap it up with this picture of Oro sitting in front of those colored rocks in Vegas. Being awesome. So that was his last year. All right, so that was the, I'm gonna drop that into the description of the video too, because I don't know, I have to go, obviously I have to go check out the website and fix it so that some of these links will actually work. But uh, yeah, we're going. To, this is Shot Show in Florida. This is what Shot Show Florida looked like. Anyhow, Shot Show has been awesome, and that was a quick wrap up of the Shot Show portion of the 2017 tour.
I guess we're back here now, and I guess I don't need to be screen sharing. I'll flip back over to Puppy Cam. You can see the puppy has moved about three times, I think, during the show today. Oops. Go back in here and click this. How about this? All right. Let's see. Because we're just dropping a link to Hosh's thing. Uh, Ozzy survived another birthday. Well done. All right, Gizzard is now happily retired. Congratulations. And with that, I think we'll start wrapping it up. So, yeah, I did catch a couple of more things at the end of that whole thing. Shot Show is a lot of fun. It can be, um, you know, an interesting thing for a, for your channel. It can be an interesting thing to learn, you know, as an individual about the community and stuff. But it's certainly an opportunity to meet up with others and to uh, uh, have time with folks that you only get to meet online all the time or throughout the year um with that i guess we'll end this one uh, i've got a little 20 minute bonus at the end there i can't think of anything else i probably could if i sat here for a bit but i don't have a bunch of time to plan these shows so i appreciate the people that are okay with us winging them and uh offering an organic and authentic look back at our tours and well just on thursdays training and travels Tomorrow, we'll be taking a look at what other people have thought about this week as far as our um, what the Second Amendment protects. It's been an interesting week, lots of developments. Thanks to G23 for hosting a long-format uh, view of the Oregon hearings. Today, uh, Ghost went live while I was at work with... on some nonsense and it was horrible waste of time uh, i did post one thought from it i think i had a couple of three of them that kind of came up with as i was listening to that but it was a weird rerun slash twilight zone version of some testimonials that happened last year but at the national level so these are indications that we're winning i know people are going to get frustrated that we don't just win, and then the people on the other side don't go, oh, they won, we should quit fighting. Now, nah, when you win, the other side typically changes strategy and continues to be assholes. So, again, that's part of the growth and uh, figuring out or awareness of the real two-way game is that it's a, you know, it's a constant, it's a tetherball game, it's a ping-pong game. As soon as you make a... a an effort to get the ball back on their court, they're pushing it right back. And then you got to make an effort to get the ball back on their court. And then they're pushing it back. The way you end that is through education. So everything that we've been doing leads to more of the same. So education stops the other side from playing. It either educates them to where they don't feel the need to persecute your property anymore, or it takes them away from the focus that they're, they've been on and re uh, requires them to to come at a different angle. And that's what we're seeing is different angles and the, the abandonment of their previous positions. I see that as, an, as a win. That's an indication that their previous positions have crumbled because they're no longer able to use them because awareness and education to the people who used to care less, who usually don't pay attention, 
uh, the awareness and education there, you know, causes the others, to, the antis, to change their tactics. So what we're seeing here is frustrating, and it's certainly dangerous when you live in the places that they're doing this stuff. But in the big picture, it's indications that we're winning. So appreciate the people that are killing their channels by showing the, the long format stuff. While they were doing that this week, nobody wants to look at a puppy. What you do want to look at is a calendar. So I finished the calendar. I think I got everything in here. So it's got, you know, the artwork and stuff is modular. You can put in whatever artwork I want. We've got the uh, highlights for the month up at the top fold here. We've got the uh, months laid out with interesting elements, pieces of history, significant events that are happening throughout the year. So you can use this to be aware of important anniversaries, to help plan, to know when the important events are going to take place. There's a couple of events towards the end of the year that have not yet been scheduled, but most of them have been scheduled and are in the calendar. So everything from giant gun shows like Wanamaker to industry events like the uh, big you know, trade shows to some sporting events and more importantly, the Second Amendment focused stuff, the up training, the skills development. There's a bunch of different shoots in here, both machine gun shoots, orientation shoots, uh, and lots of Second Amendment anniversaries and awareness and um, uh, holidays, things that we should uh, be aware of. Now, I include a lot of military stuff, maybe not everything, and a lot more than the normal calendar. So it is a little bit high heavy on the military stuff. If there were other things in the shooting community, I would put them in here. So if there was hunting, um, like anniversaries or anniversaries of inventions and things that I'm not aware of, uh, feel free to let me know and I'll include them. These are collaborative efforts. The goal is so that guns are normal. You can have conversations, not every day, but every single week. There's stuff to have conversations about with regular people. <coughs> Excuse me. These are going to be available over on the store. And now everything from the, you buy from the store. <coughs> what am I doing? I'm dying over here. Everything you buy from the store comes with free patches that have never been seen before because I just got them Tuesday. Nobody's bought one yet. The first person that buys one will get something amazing because no one's even bought one yet. So how awesome is it to buy thousands of dollars worth of stuff and not have sold one in three days? It's not. So anyway, so we'll be doing stuff to incentivize some sales, hopefully over the weekend. Did I get thunder on the prairie on June 3rd and 4th? Nope. I got thunder on the prairie as not even on here because nobody gave me a logo for thunder on the prairie or anything other than it was going to be in June. So now you told me it was on June 3rd and 4th. I know that it's on the same weekend as Blade Show, and there should be plenty of room to add it there. Now what I don't have is a logo. So does anybody know what logo they use for Thunder on the Prairie? Uh, but anyway, yeah, definitely let me know what uh, events should be on there or that I might be missing. And then if you can, link me to them. That'll make it easier. Otherwise, the calendars, as soon as I'm done here, I'll be I'm drinking enough coffee here. I'll be posting the calendar the new 2023 calendar over on the gear website store. If you're so inclined to purchase something from our stores, that'd be awesome. Uh, we may not be here, but we might under none. We're able to do it. Thanks for your time.
Thanks for your efforts, and we'll be back to pick you up later. GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. Tonight's episode, Triangle of Terror. The guys and gals at GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching GunWebsites.com. Oops, that last one should say, have a great week. Thank you for joining in.